Born Esther Pariseau in 1823, the third of 12 children in a farmhouse three miles from St. Martin Laval, Quebec. This Canadian religious sister grew up to lead members of her congregation to the Pacific Northwestern United States, where they established a network of schools and healthcare facilities to serve the American settlers in that new and remote part of the country. She was the first female architect in British Columbia, and she had a profound impact on what would become Washington Territory and later Washington State. I'm Eric Ebel, your fearless field guide to Washington State history, heritage, and culture. And this is the story of Mother Joseph of the Sacred Heart, who became known as the Builder after she designed and supervised construction of 29 schools and hospitals in Washington, one of which was Seattle's very first hospital. Welcome, loyal listeners, to Washington, our home. <laughs> Before we get into Mother Joseph's life and legacy, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, so that you can be the first to know when new episodes are published on the first Monday of each month. Listen closely, because we'll have some trivia questions later in the episode based on what you've learned, and answers at the end so you can find out how you did. And one more thing. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have left ratings and reviews for this podcast on all your favorite platforms. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. That's right, you can ask Alexa to play the Washington Hour Home podcast anywhere you have your Echo. If you have a suggestion for a topic, want to sponsor a segment of the podcast, or just want to reach out and say hello, shoot me an email at eric, that's E-R-I-C-H, at WashingtonOurHome.com. Now, let's take a look at this benevolent builder who, along with last month's podcast subject, Marcus Whitman, is one of only two people from Washington memorialized in bronze in the National Statuary Hall in Washington, D.C. In 1843, at the age of 20, Esther Parisot entered the convent of the then-newly-founded Sisters of Charity of Providence, now Sisters of Providence, in Montreal. At that time, her father, a carriage-maker who accompanied her, is said to have remarked to the Mother Superior, which is essentially the head nun for you non-Catholics, quote, I bring you my daughter Esther, who wishes to dedicate herself to religious life. She can read, write, figure accurately, sew, cook, spin, and do all manner of housework. She can even do carpentering, handling a hammer and a saw, as well as her father. She can also plan for others, and she succeeds in anything she undertakes. I assure you, madame, that she will make a good superior some day. Upon her acceptance into the sisterhood, Esther took the name Sister Joseph in honor of her father. A decade later, the bishop of the newly formed Diocese of Nisqually, now the Archdiocese of Seattle, approached the Sisters of Providence in Montreal seeking their assistance. Sister Joseph was chosen to lead four companions as missionaries to that region. Accompanied by the bishop, they traveled by train and by ship from Montreal, arriving at Fort Vancouver, just north of the Columbia River, on December 8, 1856, ending an arduous 45-day, 6,000-mile journey by land and sea. However, 
Upon their arrival, they learned that the vicar general expected them to settle elsewhere. He hadn't made any arrangements for their housing. So their first days were spent sleeping in the cramped attic of the bishop's small home. They soon set to work, converting an old Hudson's Bay building into a combination dormitory and church, and constructing facilities for their school and orphanage. Within a few months, the sisters opened their first school on April 14, 1857. They took in several orphans and an elderly homeless man, and it soon became apparent that their Spartan conditions were not sufficient for their ministry. The bishop gave them two acres on the St. James Mission Claim, and on this land, the sisters constructed a small group of multi-purpose buildings, naming their new home Providence of the Holy Angels. Over the next few years, it housed the convent, novitiate, and infirmary, an orphanage for both boys and girls, a boarding and day school, rooms for the elderly and insane, and the first hospital in the Northwest, St. Joseph's. The sisters also cared for the clergy of St. James Cathedral, as well as visiting the poor and sick in their homes. The diocese soon became involved in a long dispute over ownership of the St. James Mission claim, so even after all their hard work over several years, the site was not to become the sisters' permanent mission site. Instead, Sister Joseph, who had been given the title Mother Joseph around this time, purchased property away from the disputed area and protected the sisters' interests through incorporation as the Sisters of Charity of the House of Providence in the Territory of Washington in January 1859. It remains one of Washington State's oldest corporations and the parent corporation for Providence Health and Services. In the early 1870s, Mother Joseph began planning a permanent home for Providence of the Holy Angels on the property she had purchased earlier in Vancouver. She designed and supervised construction of Providence Academy, bounded by 10th and 12th, C Street and Reserve Streets, for those of you familiar with Vancouver's geography. The local Hidden Brick Company supplied the bricks for the four-story structure. The sisters and the orphans and boarders moved into the academy in September 1874, before the interior was finished. Mother Joseph supervised construction of a large addition in 1891, but otherwise the exterior of the building remains much as it was built. Yes, it's still there, and we'll go into more detail on that a bit later. As an architect, an artist, and a stickler for detail... Mother Joseph often inspected foundations, rafters, and even bounced on planks to ensure their strength. She was responsible for designing some of the buildings and supervising their construction. But how could a few poor Catholic nuns pay for these facilities, you might ask? Well, the same way most charities get money. They fundraised. Like crazy. Mother Joseph personally undertook aggressive fundraising tours, which she called begging tours, braving the mountains in the wilderness on horseback. But unlike today's charities that like to focus on big donors like Boeing, Microsoft, and Amazon, Mother Joseph and her Sisters of Providence spent weeks camping outdoors to go to mines as far away as Montana and Colorado, where they appealed to lucky prospectors for donations. Each of her begging tours lasted several months and raised between $2,000 and $5,000 toward the realization of her goal. But they were not without danger. 
Their records tell of encounters with stagecoach robbers, of surviving severe storms, and of brushes with fire, wolves, and even a grizzly bear. In 1866, Mother Joseph almost lost all of her proceeds from a recent begging tour when she and her companions were stopped suddenly by armed men and robbed at gunpoint. What kind of low-down, dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinner would aim a pistol at a middle-aged nun and steal her charitable proceeds? She reported to have put up a convincing ruse, telling the highwaymen there was nothing in there that they would want. Not necessarily a little white lie, as she didn't say there wasn't any money in the stagecoach, and what the bandits may or may not have wanted would have been a matter of debatable opinion. When the King County Commission reached out to Father Cowton of Seattle to care for the indigent sick, he called on the Sisters of Providence to manage the county's poor farm on the Duwamish River. Mother Joseph sent three nuns to Seattle to run the King County Poor Farm in Georgetown beginning in May of 1877. They used a remodeled farmhouse but soon found the arrangements inadequate. Clothed in long black habits, the French-speaking nuns encountered hostility and ridicule in the predominantly Protestant and unchurched community. Sister Chronicler even wrote, quote, At our arrival, the people were so prejudiced that they prevented the sick from coming to us, unquote. Despite all obstacles, charity cases and paying patients alike came to rely on Seattle's only hospital. With the help of community leaders, they moved to larger quarters in central Seattle, where they continued to provide free meals and care for the indigent. As the population increased, the sisters had to turn away patients for lack of beds. So they called upon Mother Joseph, who purchased an existing house at Fifth Avenue and Madison Street. Although functioning in 1877, the hospital opened officially on April 25, 1878. It was quickly inundated with patients, and Mother Joseph came to Seattle personally. She retained the services of, and worked directly with, architect Donald McKay to draft plans for the three-story, wood-frame hospital that eventually went up at Fifth Avenue and Spring Street, the site of today's federal courthouse. Clad in habit, with hammer and saw in hand, she personally supervised the construction, sometimes ripping out faulty workmanship and redoing it herself. Mother Joseph was responsible for the completion of 11 hospitals, 7 academies, 5 schools, and 2 orphanages throughout an area that now encompasses Washington, Northern Oregon, Idaho, and Montana. Mother Joseph died of a brain tumor on January 19, 1902 at Providence Academy in Vancouver, Washington, and is buried in nearby Mother Joseph Cemetery. She left a legacy of humanitarian service and planned and built some of the region's first permanent institutions of learning and medical care. In 1980, the state of Washington recognized her many talents and contributions by naming her as one of the state's two representatives to the U.S. Capitol's National Statuary Hall Collection. A bronze statue of Mother Joseph, created by Felix W. de Weldon, was given to Statuary Hall, and its twin resides in the foyer of the Washington State Capitol building in Olympia. Additionally, the state of Washington celebrates her birthday as an official state holiday. 
Governor Gary Locke signed Senate Bill 5734 into law on April 16, 1999, marking that day each year as Mother Joseph Day in Washington State. Providence Academy continued in operation until 1966, when, with enrollment and the number of teaching sisters declining and the school in need of remodeling, the sisters decided to close the academy and sell their property in Vancouver. The building lay vacant for several years before it was purchased in 1969 by Robert Hidden, grandson of Lowell Hidden, founder of the Hidden Brick Company, which had supplied the bricks for its original construction back in the 1870s. The facility operates as offices, shops, a restaurant, a Montessori school, and a wedding chapel, and the building is on the National Register of Historic Places. In January 2015, the Hidden family sold the property to the Vancouver National Historic Reserve Trust, which has continued its current use while restoring the site. In 2018, the Historic Trust announced plans to develop a low-modernist mixed-use development on the Providence Academy site next to the historical building. You can learn a lot more about the plans for this development, as well as the augmented reality tour of the Academy, created for the Historic Trust by students at Washington State University, Vancouver, by visiting their website, thehistorictrust.org slash providence-academy. So... Are you paying attention to the details? It's time for today's trivia quiz to see how much you absorbed during this tale of the prolific architect nun. Arcanun? Nunatect? Uh, it doesn't matter. Question number one. What did Mother Joseph's father do for a living? Hmm? Your choices are A. Buggy whip manufacturer B. Carriage maker C. Carpenter, or D. Architect. Again, Mother Joseph's father. What did he do for a living? Was he a buggy whip manufacturer, carriage maker, carpenter, or architect? Question 2. Who did Mother Joseph name herself after when she entered the sisterhood? Was it A. Joseph the father of Jesus, B. Joseph of Arimathea, C. Joseph, son of Jacob, who gifted him the coat of many colors. Or D. Joseph Pariseau, humble Canadian tradesman. Question 3. What did Mother Joseph name their new location after the Sisters of Providence moved off the St. James Mission claim? Was it A. Providence of the Holy Angels, B. St. Joseph Academy, C. Diocese of Nisqually, or D. Providence of the Holy Angles, since, you know, she was an architect and all. Question 4. Which one of these hazards did Mother Joseph not face during her arduous begging tours? Your answers are A. Wolves, B. Bandits, C. Fires, and D. Measles. Which one did she not face? And question 5. What day is Mother Joseph Day annually in Washington State? Is it A, August 16th, B, January 20th, C, September 20th, or D, April 16th? I'll be back with your answers right after this short break. Yeah, we're all pretty sick of masks and physical distancing. 
and way overdue for a good party. But it's not worth betting someone else's life you don't have COVID-19. So protect the people you care about. Keep wearing a mask, keep hanging out small. Not forever, but for now. And we can beat COVID-19. Learn more at coronavirus.wa.gov. Brought to you by the state of Washington. We're back with the answers to your Mother Joseph trivia questions. Question one was, what did Mother Joseph's father do for a living? And the answer was B, carriage maker. Yes, he was a maker of carriages. But if you said C, carpenter, I'll give you partial credit since it takes significant carpentry skills to build carriages. Question two was, who did Mother Joseph name herself after when she entered the sisterhood? And the answer, of course, was D, Joseph Parisot, humble Canadian tradesman and father to Esther Parisot, also known as Mother Joseph. Question three was, what did Mother Joseph name their new location after the Sisters of Providence moved off the St. James Mission claim? And the answer was not Providence of the Holy Angles, even though she was one of the Northwest's first architects. No, it was A, Providence of the Holy Angels. Question four was, which of these hazards did Mother Joseph and her companions not face during their arduous camping and horseback begging tours? Yes, they faced robbery by bandits, they endured through severe storms and of brushes with fire, wolves, and even a grizzly bear, but they did not, to anyone's knowledge, suffer a bout with D, measles. And question five, what day is Mother Joseph Day annually in Washington State? It happens to be the same day as my father, the senior fearless field guide's birthday, April 16th. That's it for the last Washington Hour Home podcast for 2020's second season. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed all the research, the storytelling, trivia, fast facts, and amazing history, heritage, and culture that we've uncovered. Be sure to subscribe for new episodes, leave a five-star review if you're so inclined, and look for Washington Hour Home on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. For the first episode of 2021's Season 3, we're taking a look at earthquakes in the Pacific Northwest. We live on fault lines here in Washington State, which means it's not a matter of if, but when will the big one hit. And get this, we've been hit before, with quakes powerful enough to topple even the highest peaks in the Cascades. Join us in January for more on the region's unsteady history. Until then, I'm your fearless field guide, Eric Evil, and I'll see you somewhere in Washington.